0: Welcome to episode 31 of Soccer Over Gotham. This is your host, Gary. A hobbled Gotham FC has a rough start to the Challenge Cup as North Carolina cruises at home. Ruby and I will break down this frustrating result and give our takeaways. We get a Washington Spirit preview with guest Jason Anderson of Black and Red United. All right, without any further ado, let's go, Gotham. Thanks for listening. Let's get on to the show. Ruby, not the start we wanted or expected. We'll get into that, but first, how are you?
1: What's up, Gary? Uh, First game of 2022 on the books already. Well, I had a good weekend, watched lots of soccer this weekend. NWSL is back. I lost some sleep, but I don't regret it, uh, especially with those games at 10 p.m., in the east coast so those were tough but but how are you
0: i'm doing well i switched my major so on a, on a personal note so i went back to college to get back to the sport that i love and help women's soccer grow that's what i wanted to do and i wasn't sure exactly where it is that i fit into that world i thought maybe i can go back into coaching or put my business background to use as a gm or like background staff. But after covering this team this last season, and I found myself saying over and over that the only way to solve these problems is to put more women, more former players, more women of color in positions of power. So I found myself just advocating for people who, you know, weren't me in the positions that I was thinking about striving towards. So after enjoying podcasting and putting this website together and on this end of things, I decided to switch my major over to communications, so maybe that's the best way I can help this work grow. We'll see. I'm set to graduate, I believe, December next year. I'm not thinking about that right now, but I still got time to grow, and I can't wait to do it.
1: Heck yes, and and you keep growing every day. It's awesome how we've grown this little podcast over time, and <laughs> before you know it, it will be December. Honestly, time flies when you're having fun, Yeah. Or not much fun in school, I guess. <laughs>
0: Speaking of having fun, you had a great interview last week with Paige Monahan. <laughs>
1: if,
0: if any of you haven't listened to it, I don't know why you haven't, but listen to it. I mean, we're trying to get one player a month here. So who should we get next?
1: It was a great interview. I was so honored to interview Paige. I hope she comes back at some point this season with us. It was lots and lots of fun, and I, I hope she had fun as well. It looked like she had fun. So I, I hope she comes back and next player, who do we think? We got to ask, we should ask the fans who they want.
0: Let's put up a poll who the fans want to say. Let's get on to this mess of a game, shall we?
1: Uh, yes, <laughs> it was bad. And but now we have like an idea where we can improve. But let's get to it.
0: The roster highlights, you know, my confidence level went from like 95 percent positive to about 45 percent after seeing the injury report. Missing was Ali Long for an excused absence. We knew about that. Nobody knows the true reason why Ali's absence is there, but we're not going to speculate here. It is what it is. Anamanu and Mewis were out for injury. That was rough. So Gotham comes out in a 4-3-3. Harrison goal with Dorsey and Didasco as the outside backs. This new center back pairing of Krieger and Freeman. Midfield of Captain Zerboni, Jennifer Cujo, and Paige Monahan. Attackers are Nahomi Kawasumi, Rookie Cameron Tucker, and Mitch Purse. Ruby, your thoughts when you saw this lineup?
1: Well, this lineup looked really solid on paper. And we had solid defenders, solid midfield, solid attackers. And we only saw three new players in the starting lineup. And these are new players to the team. Like you mentioned, Allie Long was out. Hope she's okay. And she comes back soon. We really need her. She's a very important player for Gotham with her high percentage of passing accuracy. Also, Anumanu, out of this game with an injury to her right ankle, another important player for Gotham. Let's not forget that Ify was the top goal scorer last season and carried that the, the team while Mitch was out. And last but not least, Kristin Mewes was not able to, to make her Gotham FC debut due to her injury to her right thigh. It's really sad to see these injuries and people not not being on the roster or have excused absences, but hopefully they come back soon. I'm sending all the good vibes to the girls so they're able to come back and just kill it.
0: Agreed. When this injury list dropped, my heart just dropped as well. <laughs> Mine too. I, I put up an article on SoccerOverGothman.com about my concerns <laughs> immediately. Long's absence was troubling Yes, but I felt Cujo and Zerboni could fill that role pretty adequately. I was more concerned with Anamano missing. She just does so much work up top. She makes everybody else's job so much easier, but not having Mewis is a big concern. We'll get into the depth later. I think we both predicted the backline multiple times during the offseason. Mandy was a starter going into last season, and Krieger wasn't coming here for vacation, so there you have it. <laughs> I'm excited for Tucker to get her first minutes and her first start. Let's get to the game. Gotham looked good for three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Those were a good
1: three minutes.
0: (laughs) It was. Uh, Tucker gets behind the Courage backline within the Mm -hmm. first 30 seconds and nearly gets the ball behind the keeper. Under the previous coach, he who shall not be named, uh, the Courage was a very aggressive, pressing team, and Gotham was a team that kind of sat back and possessed. In the early going, it was Gotham pressing the courage and the courage just trying to keep possession. Gotham's expected goals spiked to 0.15 after Cameron Tucker's attempt at goal. Former Gotham player Brianna Pinto scores a textbook goal off a well-lofted cross from Carson Pickett. She heads it back across goal, as you're taught to do. Not much Ashland can do about it. That is essentially it for the first half. In the second half... Abby Erceg found a loose ball in the box, blasted at home for the insurance goal, a good goal through traffic. Gotham remained throughout the match pretty unthreatening and kind of all out of sorts. Uh, Ruby, let's just get to the takeaways.
1: Honestly, Gotham looked lost on the field. And I guess it's normal when you're coming back from an offseason and not having some key players. They were really trying to do damage control at some point, but honestly, they didn't put out the fire. Uh, they were not able to put out the fire then Brianna Pinto had a great goal I was happy for Brianna and I'm rooting for her but it hurt especially because she was a former Gotham player and that's why in in this podcast we support free your kids movement and I believe that goal from Pinto was was Pinto's revenge hashtag Pinto's revenge
0: There certainly was. Looks like the missing players that we had not only threw us for a loop, but Parkinson as well. I'm not sure what was going on here. Gotham switched formations and tactics multiple times during the first half. It seemed like every couple of minutes something was changing. I was there like, wait, is Gotham a pressing team now? Wait, is that three in the back? Wait, is that Kawasumi in the 10? Why are Zuboni and Kujo pressing wide areas? It was very confusing.
1: Yeah, people were everywhere, anywhere and everywhere. And talking about Scott Parkinson, it felt like he was mic'd up because you can hear him loud and clear from the TV. And yes, it was very confusing, a little frustrating that they were not able to find chemistry on the pitch. Yeah, as
0: a a coach myself, when when your players are on the field, you don't want to make too many changes. You kind of want to just... Give them simple little directions and let their instincts take over and the stuff mm-hmm. that you drilled in them hopefully carries over but it seemed like he was changing things too quickly the team was just not gelled and they just were not functioning correctly i'll point it out no number 10 on this team is going to hamper this team last season's gotham's weak point was in transition and not having that focal point of the offense Midge and Iffy were often off left to kind of create for themselves. As excited as I am for having Mewis as that player, I was very concerned about the lack of depth of that position. Mewis hasn't played many full seasons, and she'll be away with the national team at some points this season. Gotham tried to fill that spot with multiple players last season. Although not a direct fit, they could pinch in and fill that role in emergency. Gotham unloaded all of those players this offseason. Lee, Tine, Lloyd, and even Viennes is now uh, in in Europe again. So not only that, but Gotham drafted a player in Riley Loftman who decided against signing with the club, who was a player that fit that role. This is troubling for the prospects this season, living and dying with one player. We need to bubble wrap Christie this season. It's going to be a long one if we're not able to get things going.
1: Yeah, that's true. And Gotham's midfield saga continues in 2022. We're still looking to have a solid midfield in 2022 and get some goals. And like you said, yeah, we need to bubble wrap Krista Mewis. I'm going to go on Amazon.com right now, (laughs) order some bubble wrap because this is important. We got a little taste of Mewis and Midge and what they can accomplish when they were in the She Believes Cup. That was some great goals from them chemistry on the pitch. I am just trying to stay positive. It's the first game, and again, anything can happen.
0: I must say, though, Krieger was excellent on the night. A uh, yes. welcome addition to an already good back line. She was breaking up plays. She showed great passing range. About as, as good as a debut as you could have. I mean, her partnership with Freeman was really good. And although the both of them together lack a little speed, They could be trouble against pace of your fours. They looked really good together.
1: (laughs) That's true. But again, let's just hope this is just like coming off season. They're just trying to get back into it. And and like you said, cricket did an amazing job out there. And Mandy, Mandy's my favorite her cons- consistency out there is gold.
0: Yeah, I've really felt bad for Purse in this one. She looks ready to go, but she had like no support in this in this match. Watching her and Monaghan kind of gathering balls around midfield and then trying to take on four or five defenders by themselves was kind of disheartening. But I must say, Paige Monaghan looks really, really good. The same, she looked really hungry. Both a player like her and Purse shouldn't go missing for large stretches of the game, but Gotham couldn't find them. So final thoughts. Let's take a deeper dive into this game. Any final takeaways, Ruby?
1: Again, it's just the first game of the Challenge Cup for Gotham, and I hope the next few next few games will make more sense, bring all their potential out there. Hopefully, we have Anumano and Mewis back by the next game. It doesn't look like it, but hopefully. <laughs>
0: This wasn't a short offseason. season As Paige pointed out in the, in the interview last week, that it was usually two weeks shorter than a normal uh, preseason, and they were playing indoors. They had that snow squall. It just <laughs> wasn't the right environment. So there, were, there was some rust to be had.
1: Let's see what happens in the next game. I'm honestly so excited that soccer is back, or well, at least the NWSL is back, and we get to watch this these women out there like fighting for the cup.
0: And they continue to fight. And that's one thing I really love about this team is that it doesn't matter if they're down, they're up. These women are going to give everything they have for this team and they're going to keep fighting. So the good news is that Gotham has time to write this ship. And we still have two away games, but three consecutive home games to finish this out. We can take this back.
1: Definitely. Like I said, Challenge Cup is going to dictate what's going to happen in the season. So again, like you said... If they can, like, right the ship from now, we're going to have an incredible season.
0: So, Ruby, you got any stats of the week?
1: Yeah, so stat of the week for me would be Gotham had 42% possession of the ball in this game against North Carolina, which is unusual for the team because, if you know, last year, they were a really possession-driven team. But with the new, with the new coach, Scott Parkinson, he's shaking things up. I cannot wait to see what's coming.
0: Yeah, great. It was interesting to see Gotham starting to press more. It's harder to do when your roster is that much above 30 on the average. Um, But I like what I saw in parts of the game. Uh, When you're pressing a team, you have to be all moving as one. And when it was too easy for North Carolina to get the ball from the keeper to the central defender to the outside back, back to the the central defender, uh, then they had two roaming defensive midfielders, and Kawasumi couldn't cover both of them, so they were easily passing out of the press. So that was a little bit tough. But my staff for the week is, I think the story of this game was the disconnect in transition and the inability to create any chances. I mentioned earlier that the expected goals for Gotham after the Tucker chance was 0.15. Gotham ended up with 0.17. So while the courage kept climbing to like 1.3, so not a lot for either team, But Gotham has to do better. So, what is who is your player of the week, Ruby?
1: Over Twitter, they said Krieger, and I do agree with people on Twitter. Krieger had a great game out there, but for me, it's Paige Monahan. Great work. I think she was the only player on target, and I saw more most dangerous out there between our attackers. Also, again, if you guys haven't listened to our last episode with Paige, you guys have to listen to it. It's so much fun, and hopefully she had fun, too, with us.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. Krieger is player A, Monahan's player B. Krieger is a special player. Like Her soccer IQ was through the roof, and her technical ability was, again, on display all night. She was, again, a great debut, but Paige looks great fantastic. She looks hungry. That's the best way to describe how she played. Uh, She she had most of the shots that we had up on the team. She was taking on three or four players. She looked really good. I can't wait to see her the rest of the season when we have a full complement of players around her. But all right, let's move forward. Let's look at our group and where we stand. Orlando Pride drew Washington at home. That puts us at the bottom of the group with a negative two goal differential. Good teams draw on the road and win at home. But what the good news is, we can make that differential back up quickly.
1: So you said good teams draw on the road and win at home. So next game is against Washington. Washington drew against Orlando at Orlando. So based on what you just said, I just hope we win.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So the next matchup is the road match with the champs. As mentioned earlier, only the Spirit are returning more players with minutes than Gotham. 80% of the minutes they had last year are players that are returned, which is incredible. That's really, really high. I'm not sure if we're going to get out of Washington only two down if we come out the way we did against the Courage. Hopefully, players return. Parkinson writes to ship, makes things a little bit more simple for the players. I'm really hoping for a draw here. Let's get that draw. Let's take that this tough road match. Get out of there. Ruby, any predictions?
1: Any predictions? Rumble. This is the first prediction of 2022. so <laughs> It will be a tough match, no doubt. Last season, we played Washington two times. One game on July 18th, and we won two goals against three. And then in October 6th, then we tie 0-0. My prediction for this game, we are going to win 1-0 against Washington.
0: I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. I think that's... Seems pretty fair for both these veteran teams going out of this weekend. Any random thoughts?
1: I do have a random thought. So I was on social media today and I was just scrolling, scrolling, whatever. And I found this like post. It was really cute. And it it read like this. If you need a little motivation today, call 707-998-8410. It's a school project where kids give you motivational pep talks. So I was like... I'm curious to listen to this is is it a scam is it like a prank or something like let me call so of course I had to call I called and it really is pep talks from little kids and it was so sweet I don't know if you guys if you're listening to this and you want to call you should call like if you're having a bad day it was pretty awesome
0: I think I'm gonna try that tomorrow. I've been having a rough joke yeah. it lately. <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of random thoughts. Happy Mandy Freeman Appreciation Day. <laughs> I don't know if it's like her, birth- oh, it's her birthday, or her birthday, whatever. I just decided to. I just had to, I felt some kind of way about Mandy Freeman today, so I put out some some posts on Twitter at Over Gotham Pod and go join in the celebration. We're all just, just celebrating how amazing Mandy Freeman is. She looks amazing, and as we pointed out in the thread. Mandy has only gotten one yellow card per season that she's played. So that's pretty darn crazy. And a lot of the games, she comes off as like quiet, like you just don't notice mm-hmm. her. But that means she's just doing an amazing job because she's not getting scored on. She's marking her players. She's making the right, right angles. She's winning on 75% of her tackles. She, she completes 87% of her passes. She is incredible. Not only is she a fashion icon, we love that about her, but she is an incredible player, and I can't wait to see her grow. And being paired up with a player of Krieger's caliber, it's just going to make her better and better and better. So I'm super, super excited about that.
1: Heck yes. You know what? I'm just going to go go ahead and buy extra bubble wrap for Mandy Freeman, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird because I was looking at the like stats, and I'm like, why is there – no stats for 2019 and 2020. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. She, hurt. she had her Achilles injury that took her out for 2019. And then we lost that year in 2020, which is so crazy to think we lost a year because time doesn't make sense anymore. She was out for two years, and she came back, and she hasn't lost a, a beat. She looks amazing.
1: She does. The thread that you posted on on Twitter, it's, it's amazing. If you guys scroll through it, you can see some of the amazing highlights from Mandy Freeman.
0: Yeah, tracking down Sam Kerr, taking the ball off of her. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Our schedule for the near future, we are thankful for the team to kind of let us interview Paige Monahan. It went really well, and we hope to get one player per month as we go forward. In the meantime, we'll be back every week. We have Jason Anderson from Black and Red United to talk the spirit right after this. Uh, then we have one of the hosts of the Purple Pulse podcast. We talk about Orlando in the next episode. Then we're going to have Jessica Turner, who's the VP of the Uproar. I can't wait to talk to her about all the things that are going on with the Courage. Uh, So, all right, Ruby, let's get caught up on the Washington Spirit, shall we? Let's go. Welcome back to another Challenge Cup preview interview. I got a great guest to preview our game against the Washington Spirit. Our guest tonight is Jason Anderson from Black and Red United and the podcast Plex Weather. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And I'm really excited for this interview because obviously the Spirit are a great, not only story, but just a, a sports story. And, and, and to go through what they did and to find a way to stick together and win is just incredible, incredible resilience. But before we begin... Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you get into covering the property DC first, and then the Spirit? Correct.
2: Yeah, yeah. the The order is is definitely um, the the site. The uh, Black Under Red United goes back to the end of the two thousand nine season. I wasn't the first person on board. I was the first person hired by the site founder, and it was just because I found myself writing long there wasn't really a good spot to talk DC United on the internet. And what sort of bubbled up was the comments on Steve Goff articles became a spot for people that didn't want to use big soccer anymore. And somebody that read those all the time was like, listen, it seems like you're coming up against a character limit comment section. Why don't you actually write articles? And I was like, that's a good idea. And that's now it's a, a you know, 12 and a half years later. Onto the team itself, but this team is, obviously very
0: special. It's seemed like kind of all those controversies that surround the team brought them together and strengthened them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what does that say about kind of the character of the players on this team and the
2: staff? I mean, the, the players are enormously impressive people. Any number, I think there's a story that goes around that coming into the final, Aubrey Kingsbury just read off a list of the things that they had gone through that year. And the players afterwards, the players and staff, they all kind of laughed about it, but it was like, Any number of those things on that list would have been a reason for a season to be derailed. Whether you're talking about the ownership contrast or training, I think, at five or possibly even six different places throughout the course of the year. They had a couple of injuries that, you know, Bailey Feist, who is almost back healthy, was at potentially in the preseason of last season. She was actually keeping Trinity Rodman out of the starting lineup. She was playing that well. She got injured playing. The last thing Sky Blue FC ever did was a preseason game against the Spirit down in DC, and a couple of days later they became Gotham. Um, she got injured that close to the season. It's just yeah. over and over again these things that could have derailed it, and the fact that they not only weren't derailed, but actually improved. Some of that is that Richie Burke was dismissed, and it kind of got them to come together in a way that hadn't been uh, hadn't been available to them, I think, before. Though I want to note that after the first game of the Challenge Cup, Kelly O'Hara said post-game in Orlando that while it was a remarkable thing to come together to be that tight as a group, it also was for negative reasons. They don't want to repeat that. They want to be the same level of team without having to have this sort of trauma bond to get them through. But yeah, it's an incredible thing. I, I can't think of an American soccer story that's even even in the same universe as the Spirit in 2021. It's just a something else entirely.
0: Yeah. And speak about Chris Ward. For a guy to, to come in mid-season to a team that was completely off the rails and then to be able to just be a calming presence and then go, oh, he went undefeated, also, right? Through the rest of the season? Yeah, I,
2: I think technically the league holds those two COVID forfeit losses on his oh, record. But right. in, in soccer games that have been played, he still has not lost. I think this draw with Gotham or with uh, Orlando and the the draw with Gotham in Philadelphia are the two times he didn't win or his team didn't win, I should say, which is I kind of have to correct myself there because he's very player centric. Part of his story, when you ask him about his what, what he's seen as necessary for his, him as a head coach has been to sort of understand when to not coach, when to sort of stand back a little he's told a story a couple of times. I think it's out there. Um, I'm trying to remember if I wrote about it or not, because 2021 is such a blur, but a story about training, finishing up and him. And at the time it was, they they were down to two coaches. It was Chris Ward and Paul Crichton, the goalkeeper coach. And they had a little chat about what they should say to the players at the end of this training session. And they were about to go over and they're like, well, hold on, let's, let's give them a second because Torrey Houston was addressing the team. And in you know, in watching what was going on, they said we don't have to get involved right now. This is like let let's give them their space and give them their moment and trust the leadership on the team. And that's kind of the that's kind of emblematic of how he's carried himself. Um, there are soccer stylistic differences, um, let alone personality differences. Major difference from Richie Burke in in a big positive way, I think, for for all involved. But in terms of the soccer, you know, the stylistic differences, I think there are. There's less of an interest in being a pure possession team. If you watch the Orlando game, you saw them trying to high press much more, which is something that they were interested in doing last year, but didn't have the time. There was so much going on and so few people available to do the work that they said, we have to simplify this thing. So now there's an interest in playing a more high tempo, aggressive kind of game. They were capable of sprinkling that in last year, but it's kind of like players figuring it out on the fly. And now it's more more of a system, more of something that they've worked with. But it's also, it's something that he doesn't make that choice on his own. It's not a dictatorship. There's a lot of give and take with the players, especially the leadership group, about what the team would be best at, what people feel more comfortable with, and then making those tweaks without saying, you know, no, it has to be this way, which I think is is part of the reason why the vibe around the team has changed so much.
0: Yeah. And speaking of uh, the vibe, uh, we just found out today that Angela Salem, who was a former Washington Spirit player, has joined the coaching staff as an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. What do you feel that means for not only the, the team itself, but for the league adding more players in positions of power?
2: Uh, I think it's it's crucial. It's not just really cool. It's also it's vital for the league, for players who, you know, if you look at Salem's career, she's coming off of a best 11 season in a season where I just watched her attacking third interview from earlier today, and she said that she had come into the year kind of already planning that this was her last season. She had other things she was planning on doing. She kind of got talked into one last one last season. And then she goes out on top like that as a, a potential MVP candidate, best eleven, playing, you know, an unflashy position without that name recognition of the national team. And it speaks to how cerebral she is in the in her as a player which is, you know, kind of a perfect translation for a coach. So, you know, she's not the only player on the league looking to become a coach or ha- that has already gone and got gotten some of the coaching licenses and things like that. But yeah, it, it's critical because I think part of the issue the league has had with coaches that have been bad actors in the league is that they don't have the experience with the with the other players, with the league itself, they don't have a sense of what it's like to be in the league. And so they kind of impose a mentality that's not compatible with the league. And so I think when you look around coaching staff, Gotham is a good example, Bev on the on the coaching staff, you're starting to see that become more common, not just because teams are like, well, who, who do we know that could be an assistant? Because it's not a glamorous job. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work for not a lot of money. You don't get the shine that a head coach gets, et cetera. But now teams are also in a position where they can actually pay enough money. Where maybe, I mean, it's not enough. No one's making enough in NWSL from top to bottom. But you know, it's it's getting to a point where uh, someone like someone like Angela Salem doesn't have to say, "I have to go into non soccer work to make ends meet." That option of being a coach somewhere is on the table, which is which speaks to the changes in ownership around the league as well as anything else it's it's but it's vital uh, the, the the whole league needs this to happen not just here not just in gotham but at every team
0: and speaking of women in power the saga obviously we're not going to recap it but michelle kang is a success story that is it transcends sports and, mm-hmm. she, and she's just amazing and how much do you feel this past season and even into this season them gelling together was part of her influence
2: I think she's definitely a major factor. The players seem to universally adore her. I, I also I can speak from experience that I have never seen a team owner in American soccer cover as much ground on game day. Just seeing her at Audi Field, where she's come through the press box just to just to greet and speak with media members real quick, nothing formal, just to sort of build the relationship. And then within thirty seconds, she's down on the field. She's here. She's there. It, it's kind of it's kind of wild how much how much she gets done on game day i know that i mentioned that game in philly last year the the carly lloyd farewell game i was told that cuz she was she was in the stadium for that i was told that she actually came up the day before met with the players at the hotel or after training or something like that headed back home worked in the dc area for a full work day and then headed back up to philly again and the player that that's the kind of thing where the players see the effort and they know it's not just Obviously, she's a very wealthy person. She she owns a jet, so that that's that side's nice. And WSL needs owners with deeper pockets, but also you need owners that care about these human beings that are working for them. And I think that is the recurring thing that I hear from players and staff, whether on or off the record, is that just that they feel looked out for in a way that that was not there before.
0: And I was at that Philly game and she was not only there, but she was walking around. She was hanging out with the Cloud9 supporter group of Mm -hmm. our our team. She was just meeting all the fans, talking to everybody. I I wish I was that invested in anything as she is in the spirit. So (laughs) yeah, it's something else. And so getting to the team itself, congrats to Trinity Rodman on getting paid. What makes her so special that she was able to kind of jump in and just take over the league? Essentially.
2: Uh I think it's it's a unique mix of confidence and bravado. The kind of stuff that she tries, you have to have bravado to, to, to go for. There are not a lot of players that come through American soccer, women's or men's, who have that sort of like, yeah, I can make this work. I can I can this play that I'm gonna try is gonna pan out. It the fact that she is fast and, and generally stronger than a lot of players who play wide forward does allow her to make the game easier for herself. Um, there are runs that she is capable of making that most other players can't because they just they are not going to get there. And so they are, you know, they probably think, well, I'm I'm not going to get there, so I'm not going to try it. Whereas Rodman, there's never there's I feel like there's no evidence to her that she can't do something. And so it's always like I'm going to try it. It's been very interesting watching her think through games and even work through her emotions in games. That there there's a game at Segra last season. I want to say midsummer and she started having a back problem and she was in a lot of pain on the field they came over it looked like she was gonna have to be subbed out and she was having a that initial reaction to sudden pain which is like shock and you worry that maybe your your whole season is over and she got some treatment on the sideline and sort of worked her way through it and then comes back into the game and is still able to not just come back in and play for a little while while they warm a sub up but actually influence the game still making a difference even even not being able to run with her normal speed you know being hampered finding a way to still change the game which is that's a difficult skill for a veteran to learn much less for someone who's coming in as a teenager so i think it's one of those things where that that anyone with the team will tell you like i think we've only scratched the surface which given that she was best 11 player as a 19 year old is really saying something and i think they're right is is the the crazy thing is that There really is more there because I think last year there were a lot of big moments from her where she's kind of playing hero ball a little bit and succeeding at it. But if the spirit can find ways to make the game easier so they don't need a spectacular play from her or Ashley Sanchez or Ashley Hatch or whoever is making this spectacular play, they can make it a little more easy and a little more make their goals come from team efforts rather than an individual taking it to the next level. All of a sudden you mix in. The individual spectacular moments that she has with that more comprehensive team approach and you could really as much as it seems nuts to say from for the champions but like they could take this to another level for sure and another thing that fascinates me about
0: this team is that not only did they again they went through some stuff but they returned eighty percent of the minutes from last season Mm -hmm. which is incredible for a team that's doing really well again what's what does that say about this team that they're just they're sticking around
2: I think some of it is that um, they they did kind of build towards keeping the group together. They they were trying to build a young team for a long time. Um, so the contract situations this coming year at the end of the season will be a little more difficult. They've got a lot of contracts that are up at the end of the season. They'll have to figure out whether to take those players um, up on their options or not. But this, coming, this past offseason, they didn't have very many. They did lose some pretty important players with Tegan McGrady going to San Diego. Paige Nielsen is in with Angel City now. But still, like you said, you know, it's it's 80% of the minutes and they were deep in the back. Um, they were deep enough that Grady leaving means they have a current international for Sweden coming in at left back and she's got competition in Anna Halfordy pushing her. So that's kind of the, the beauty of the way that Spirit built their squad is that they, they don't have very many players who are about to, you know, getting close to the end of their career. A lot of their players are, I, I want to say this year, uh, most of the group is 26 uh, and younger. So they've set themselves up to not just have the one good year, but to keep it going and, and maybe get better. Hopefully the number of international call-ups they're going to deal with this year won't derail that to some extent, which they're kind of planning for. They were already talking about it week one of preseason about Using the Challenge Cup in part to make sure that some of these players who maybe only played 100 minutes in 2021, making sure they get real games in at this stage of the year so that when the CONCACAF qualifying tournament comes around and the spirit, they lost seven players to the, just, just to the U.S. during the last window, plus Karina Rodriguez plays for Mexico, so that takes you to eight. Devin Kerr gets called in for Canada, and you get to nine. They really want to make sure that they don't just fall off a cliff during that phase and then have to rebuild the momentum when the players get back. So, yeah, it's it's a, a feat of roster building, as well as I think, you know, the changes that came in late last year made sure that a lot of players weren't like, I need to get out of here. They, they, would, by, they end the year and they say, this is a place that I can stay now that I know. It's going to be this that the ownership situation is settled, that the where they're going to set up for the year is settled because there was a question of are they going to set up closer to DC? Are they going to train out a way out in Leesburg? All of that stuff got settled. And now the players are saying, you know, we don't have to worry about all of that stuff. And so this is a place I want to stay. I don't have to think of, you know, tell my agent, maybe look, you know, try and get me traded or try and get me to sign in Europe where the way things were going in 2020 and for the first half of the year, they might have run into that at the end of the season. They might've had a lot of players saying like, I just can't do this anymore. So that's, that's why you need, I mean, that's one of the many reasons why you need to make the changes that they did to make, you know, frankly, a more humane environment to, to be a professional in. And speaking of,
0: you know, returning 80% of your minutes, so that must be pretty hard for a rookie player or on the back end trying to fight into this roster, but who are some of the kind of players on that bubble that might, or might impress this year?
2: Uh, well, I'm, I mentioned Anna Halfordy already, so, you know, she's definitely one. Gabby Vincent, who's not new to the league and is not a rookie, but they picked her up from Kansas City in a trade, and Chris Ward has already said, you know, initially they thought They would make the trade based on needing defensive midfield cover, but already in the preseason, she's impressed so much that he said, now I really feel like we need to find a way that she's not just a backup to someone, but is a regular component in the lineup. So she's someone getting, she's been talked up more than once now by Ward. So definitely look out for her in the central midfield. I'd also throw in that they've, I mentioned Bailey Feist earlier when she gets back and is, I think that should be soon. We should be seeing her playing minutes in the Challenge Cup, hopefully. When she gets back to full speed, she's a special player that can kind of fit in a bunch of different positions as well, that kind of gives them a little something they don't have otherwise. And I would also throw in on that same note, not the same set of skills, but Jordan Baguette, who used to be Jordan DiBiase, she missed virtually all of last year. And is another player that has a skill set to sort of help them pick the lock and make it a little easier. They don't have to score as many spectacular goals. They can score some easier ones. When she gets back from her injury, she's also someone that I think they are going to be super excited to reincorporate. Her rookie year in 2019, she had four goals from midfield, which is pretty good. But the stat that they always bring up when when you mention her the spirit always bring up the fact that she led the team by far in the past leading to the assist they had their own internal metrics and she was that was her game and so yeah i think those those are players that are going to be very important this year especially with these call ups they they are going to become i think increasingly important and it'll start with vincent since she's fully healthy it wouldn't shock me if she starts on friday and it'll go from there. But th- those are the three that I think I would I would underline the most right now.
0: Yeah. And speaking of your last draw in Orlando, what did you learn from that about the team?
2: If you watch the first 20 minutes, you'll see them go very aggressive with a high press. I and mean, that's something they didn't do much of last year because they they knew they needed to work on the, the coordination and the shape and w- when to press. They needed to work on that more. So they kind of just never really had time to settle on it down that stretch run. In this game, if you if you go back and watch from the start, you know, Orlando's trying to take goal kicks and the Spirit have players right on the edge of the 18. And it didn't result in a goal, but it caused Orlando tons of trouble, uh, just trouble left and right. You know, Aaron McLeod played a couple of goal kicks that ended up going short and no one from Orlando was prepared for them. So, you know, one of them goes directly to Kelly O'Hara, for example. I think another one went out of bounds. So they're kind of turning the opposing goal kicks and things like that into a turnover right away. That is a new element for sure. I think they have the players to do that, especially Ashley Sanchez's growth without the ball being more focused on. I think Chris Ward said that they played 11 on 11 game at training in the days before the Orlando game and she led the team in ball recoveries. So it's stuff like that where it's not necessarily super exciting. It's not going to make the highlight reel, but I think that's the new the new thing to that to look out for is that they've added this high pressing element at this stage of the season. Don't expect it to extend into, you know, 45 minutes straight. There's a reason why I said 20. They had to sort of drop it because, you know, your legs get heavy. But that's that's a big thing that's wasn't there last year for sure.
0: Yeah, it's much easier to do when your roster is 25, 26. And yes, Gotham tried last week and with our 30 plus roster, I don't know if that's going to work out in the long run for us. But so speaking of this game coming up, what is a matchup that you're really looking forward to this weekend?
2: I think that te- I assume, uh, assuming that Purse plays, I think there might be a major test for either fullback, given that, you know, last week the Spirit played O'Hara and Julia Rotter for about sixty-seven, sixty-eight 68 minutes. I think that this, I, I sense we haven't had a chance to Chris Ward's media availabilities tomorrow. I get the sense that this might be a spot that gets rotated because O'Hara and Rodder both play for their national teams and Ward has repeatedly said that the the national team players, fitness-wise, they don't need as many minutes in the Challenge Cup. And I think the Spirit are, they would like to win the Challenge Cup, but I think they are also prioritizing the minutes loading for everyone across the roster. So players like Halfordy at left back and Cameron Bogolsky at right back maybe seeing some one-on-ones with a player like Purse who is obviously arguably the best player in the league at that on that front. And so that's a major test for them. It's a real challenge that they're going to have to if they're going to become regular options in those spots to to spell the the nominal starting fullbacks. They're going to have to be able to come through uh, because it's not like, you know, yes only there's only one midge person in the league and she's playing for Gotham, but like there are other teams in the league that have excellent wide forwards who are such a challenge to defend. If you can't get it done at that level, you're probably not going to be a fullback in NWSL for that long. So that is a major spot I'm looking at. I'm also wondering if, if Vincent gets the start, Andy Sullivan only played an hour and it wasn't, I don't think there's a knock there. It was just a, like, you don't need to play. We don't need you to play 90 minutes at this stage of the year. If Vincent comes in, then dealing with, like you said, the high press that Gotham was trying. Can she play out of that? Can she turn out of those situations and turn that press, that high press risk against Gotham and get the ball out? So those are the spots I'm looking at is is really, I sense a little rotation from the Spirit coming, not full scale, but a little bit. And I want to see how those players do because the Spirit have kept saying that this stage of the year, they want to test those players who are not necessarily the best 11. And so this is this is how we're going to learn is is playing a team that quite frankly, the spirit have had some trouble with it's been a while since they've managed to beat Gotham. And so can you do it against them? Can can you stand in and be just as effective as those more experienced starters? So that's, those are the spots I'm really focused on. Any predictions? You know, Segra's is such a tough place to play for everyone. The spirit have had trouble there. It's not a good playing surface. If anyone is a, is following, I know you probably have a lot of folks that if they're following a USL team, it's probably Red Bulls too. If you've seen them play at Segra, you know what I'm talking about. If you've seen Gotham play there, you know what I'm talking about. I kind of, I'm skewing towards 0-0, uh, another scoreless draw. I, I These teams have played a few of those, for one thing. And also just, you know, it is early. Like you said, Gotham's working on some things that they haven't tried before. The Spirit are incorporating new players. I think the rotation might dampen the the very best of their attack. But mostly I think that Segra surface is just it's kind of a problem. The Spirit having five home games there this year in the regular season on top of this Challenge Cup game, you know, that's one of the challenges they've got to deal with is you have to pick up points there, but it's not a good surface for their approach. So maybe they'll take some inspiration from Loudon who just won a game they opened their season in like sub-zero temperatures and managed to get a win uh on that weird that weird turf surface and maybe they'll take a page out of their book, but yeah i'm kind of leaning towards zero zero or one one at this point
0: yeah i got one one for this game that makes sense Yeah, indeed so jason i really do want to thank you for coming on you're very insightful and again thanks for taking the time for talking to us for jason ruby and myself we thank you guys all for tuning in gotham takes on the spirit this friday at 7 30 on paramount plus i'm ready for some nwsl games all right let's go